What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, November 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Apple expects to produce at least 3 million fewer iPhone 14s than originally planned. Thousands of job cuts are reportedly on the way at Facebook parent meta platforms. The investors brace for this week's key report on inflation. And we take you to Egypt where a big climate change summit is underway. It's the final push for campaigning in New York's governor's race and the midterms. Plus, the CDC warns of a surge in COVID flu and RSV. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. Big win for the Jets and upset of the Bills. The Rangers lost. The Mets resigned their closer. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. Stock Index futures are on the rise this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up eight points this morning. Dow futures up 85, and NASDAQ futures up about 16. The DAX in Germany is up seven-tenths of a percent, and the 10-year Treasury up four-thirty-seconds, yield 4.14 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.67 percent. Nathan. Karen, the rise we're seeing in futures this morning could build on Friday. Friday's rally on Wall Street. It saw the S&P 500 snap a four-day losing streak. Still, the index is down 21% in 2022 and on track for its worst year in at least a decade. Alan Zafrin is founding partner and co-CEO at IEQ Capital. What we are fearful of, and if you're bearish, is that the Fed's only going to pivot when the PMIs, the Purchasing Manager Index, which is a broad measure of economic activity, if it were to really plummet. The Fed would have no choice but to do so, and that probably only happens coincidentally with the labor market starting to get out of control. IEQ Capital's Alan Zafrin says Fed rate hikes will take 6 to 12 months to work their way through the economy. Well, Nathan, the attention this week turns to inflation. Let's take a look at the economic calendar with Bloomberg's Vinnie Dell-Judice. Topping this week's list, the October Consumer Price Index set for Thursday and tracking the ever-rising cost of living post-pandemic. Economists see inflation running hot at about 8% year-over-year, keeping the Federal Reserve on the offense. Now, wages are on the rise, but inflation is outstripping the gains. Hence, a lack of confidence in America's economy and the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index set once again to run near record low. That's set for Friday. Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thanks. It's also another busy week for earnings. Let's preview that with Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
With about 430 companies in the S&P 500 reporting so far, 71% have reported positive earning surprises, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. Peter Oppenheimer is chief global equity strategist at Goldman Sachs International. This has been a, a, not a disastrous earnings season, but certainly not nearly as strong as we've seen previously. And the key thing that's happening, and we've been arguing this for some time, is that margins are starting to come under pressure as a result of these high input costs. Among the companies scheduled to report this week, Activision Blizzard, AstraZeneca, BioNTech, Occidental Petroleum, and Rivian Automotive. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Well, looking at earnings longer term, Goldman Sachs is lowering its estimates for the S&P 500 for each year till 2024. The bank strategists say a margin contraction in the third quarter signals more pain ahead. Goldman is not changing its year-end targets for the S&P. It still thinks the index will drop another 4.5% this year to 3,600 before rising to 4,000 in 2023. Well, meanwhile, Karen Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson says investors should stay bullish on equities ahead of this week's midterm elections, Wilson correctly predicted this year's slump in stocks. He says if Republicans win at least one chamber of Congress, it could provide a catalyst for lower bond yields and higher equity prices. Well, turning to corporate news now, we're watching shares of Apple this morning. They are currently down more than 1% in early trading. The company expects to produce at least 3 million fewer iPhone 14 handsets than originally planned this year. And Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Bloomberg sources say the company and its suppliers now aim to make about 87 million devices. That's down from 90 million. The reduction is due to softer demand for the iPhone 14 and 14 Plus. That adds to supply issues in places like Zhengzhou, China. The plant there is under a COVID lockdown. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Brian, thanks. We continue to see job cuts in corporate America. Facebook parent meta platforms will reportedly start laying off thousands this week. According to the Wall Street Journal, the cuts could come as early as Wednesday. Meta has been struggling with growing losses, and it's been investing heavily in its metaverse business. Meta shares, which are down 73% this year, are rising this morning, up more than 3% in early trading. Well, Nathan, Twitter brought the axe down hard last week on close to 3,700 of its employees. Now it's asking dozens of them to come back. Sources tell us the company decided the employees were either fired by mistake or are too essential to the changes new owner Elon Musk wants to make. One of those changes, adding verification check marks for subscribers to Twitter's monthly blue service, that's been delayed till Wednesday to avoid midterm election chaos. Well, the world's focus for the next couple of weeks, Karen, will be on the health of the planet. The COP27 summit is underway in Egypt. The United Nations annual climate change event is beginning with discussions on reparations or compensating poorer nations for the damage from emissions produced elsewhere. We get more from Bloomberg's Yusuf Kamal El-Din in Sharm el-Sheikh. We've got uh, over 100 heads of state, uh, 200 delegations from all across the world. And they've set the bar a little bit lower, I would say. They admit that because of some of the risks, everything from the Ukraine war to the ongoing geopolitical spat between China and the U.S., it's going to be harder to, to get things going. But nonetheless, they want to show some results, and they were ready to get some traction on adding a little bit of a controversial item to the agenda, the loss and damage items. So this is related to unchecked fossil fuel use that cause economic destruction in disproportionate ways.
Bloomberg's Yusuf Gamal Eldin reports the leaders of Germany, France and the U.K. are appearing at the start of COP27. U.S. President Joe Biden and Brazil's president-elect are due to appear later on. Well, finally, Nathan, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has taken a beating on auto insurance. The conglomerate reported a $962 million loss on insurance underwriting in the third quarter. That's the worst quarterly loss in a year. Auto insurers have struggled to keep pace with higher used car prices and the rising costs of accidents. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. Got some showers, 68 degrees in Central Park. The northbound Van Wyck off-ramp to the westbound Belt Parkway is closed for an accident investigation. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. It was the final weekend of campaigning before Tuesday's midterm elections. President Joe Biden campaigned for New York Governor Kathy Hochul at a rally in Yonkers Sunday. Biden hoping to give the incumbent a last-minute boost against Republican challenger Lee Zeldin. Polls show the race between the two narrowing. Biden criticized former President Trump and the Republican Party's record on the economy. What's going to happen the next couple years is going to have more to do with what this country looks like 20 years from now than anything else. Congressman Zeldin campaigned at a rally in Rochester, promising if he's elected governor, he's going to crack down on crime and those state employees in charge of fighting it. We are going to declare a crime emergency here in the state of New York. Meanwhile, former President Trump urged Florida voters to support Republican candidates in Tuesday's midterm elections. This is the year we are going to take back the House. We are going to take back the Senate. We are going to take back America. We're going to take back America. Trump spoke at a rally in Miami with Florida Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott. A former director of the FDA is concerned that the U.S. is not prepared for the current virus season. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The U.S. is entering cold, flu, RSV, and COVID season. And former director Scott Gottlieb on CBS, as heard here on Bloomberg, says some past mistakes are getting in the way of new policies. We know wearing a mask if you have the flu or RSV when you go out is effective at preventing forward transmission. Nobody wants to say that. So I think that there's a lot of reluctance now, in part because of the failures of public health messaging during the pandemic and the things we got wrong and the backlash to it. So we don't have a good solution for what we're entering right now. Gottlieb says mistakes that have been made during COVID should not not affect medical policy going forward. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Authorities continue to investigate a New York City high-rise fire over the weekend that injured over three dozen people and was traced to a faulty lithium-ion battery. It is the latest in a fast-growing series of battery blazes that have fire officials concerned. The fire spurned the dramatic and rare rope rescue 20 stories above Manhattan's East 52nd Street, a few blocks from the United Nations headquarters. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Almost 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashauer. All right. Good morning, Nathan. The Jets have been underdogs almost every week. They were 11-point underdogs at MetLife. Buffalo came in an AFC best 6-1. and one. Three wins by at least three touchdowns. But the Jets sacked Josh Allen five times, intercepted him twice, and twice got themselves into the end zone. Bill still blitz, takes the snap. Carter a run up the middle at the five. Walks into the end zone. That's a jet touchdown. Arios in motion. 
First and goal at the seven. Back to throw Zach Wilson. Screen right. Caught Robinson at the ten. At the five. Reaches the ball out. He's across the goal line. And the Jets touchdown. ESPN New York because the game was tied when the Jets went on a 13-play, 86-yard drive that ended with a Greg Zerline go-ahead field goal. They upset the Bills 20-17. to They're only half game behind Buffalo. Game last night, two AFC division leaders and went overtime. Kansas City beat Tennessee. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 68 times. Tom Brady threw it 58, the last one a TD pass. Tampa Bay's only touchdown of the day. They beat the Rams in the battle of the last two Super Bowl winners, both of whom struggling this year. Green Bay really struggling. Lost to the Jets, lost to the Giants, and just lost to lowly Detroit. Aaron Rodgers intercepted three times. The sound of Timmy Trumpet playing Narco will continue to be heard at City Field for the years to come. The Mets locked up all-star closer Edwin Diaz, who was a free agent. Five years, $102 million, most ever for a reliever. The Nets laid down six requirements that Kyrie Irving must meet before they consider lifting his suspension. The Rangers lost to Detroit 3-2 in overtime. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. S&P futures up 12 points. Dow futures up 119. NASDAQ futures are higher by 33 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning after dropping earlier. European shares are higher, led by travel shares. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about 16 points. Dow futures up 143. NASDAQ futures up 40. The DAX in Germany is up 1%. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 4.13%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.67%. NYMEX screwed oil is little change at 92 $2.56 a barrel. Comex gold up a third of a percent or $6 at $16.82.60 an ounce. The euro, 0. 0.9991 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1465. And the yen, 146.49. And Bitcoin this morning is down 1.7%. It's at $20,780. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Election day is tomorrow, but already more. More than 40 million Americans have cast early ballots. Republicans are optimistic about winning enough seats to retake control of both the House and the Senate, while Democrats insist they are poised for a better night than many expect. The COP27 UN climate talks began in Egypt with a deal to discuss how rich countries can help pay for the damages caused by global warming elsewhere. Recent climate disasters, such as the floods in Pakistan, have put the issue back into focus. In the NFL, the Jets upset the Bills 2017. The Patriots won. The Commanders lost. The Ravens play the Saints tonight. In the NHL, the Rangers lost in OT to the Red Wings 3-2. In the NBA, the Wizards lost. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. 
Thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Dennis Gartman's back with us this morning, the chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee, former publisher of the Gartman Letter at the start of a really busy week for markets with elections, earnings, and inflation all in focus. Dennis, what are you focusing on this week? Elections obviously are the uh, are the focal point for everybody at this, given the, given the fact that the elections are tomorrow and the, given the fact that they are as tight as they're going to be. However, I think that the Republicans will end up sweeping the House, probably winning 25 to 35 seats, and I actually think that they'll end up winning the uh, the Senate, probably 52 seats, maybe 53 seats at most. That'll be supportive to share prices for the near term, at, at least. Uh, people will become enthusiastic about a Republican capability to control the House and the Senate, but it also means that we'll have a gridlocked government for the past, for the next two years or so as everybody gets ready for the next presidential election. So the election cycle stops tomorrow and begins Wednesday again all, all at one time. I've been very bearish of share prices since the start of the year. I continue to be bearish of share prices at this point. I think the Fed continues to, to tighten monetary policy far longer than anybody had anticipated, takes rates far higher, and takes them for a longer period of time than anybody had thought originally. So I haven't changed my opinion even slightly, Nason. I want to hone in a little bit more on your view on where rates go from here. But we did get a note this morning from uh, Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley, who's also been pretty bearish on this market and called the drop in stocks. He's saying that uh, we could see an equity rally off the back of tomorrow's election. Uh, Obviously, it sounds like you agree with that. How big a rally could we see, do you think? First of all, let's say we've we've had a a huge uh, bounce in in a a, a very normal uh, technical bounce from the lows made three or four, three or four weeks ago. <clears throat> I follow the CNN Fear and Greed Index, which had gotten to 14. Anytime it gets below 20, you're going to get a bounce of some sort. You get oversold. In the course of the three weeks, we've taken the stock market. We've taken the Dow from, what, uh, 29,000 to 33,000. That's probably as much of a rally as you're going to get. I think the, the, the high that we saw two weeks ago was, is probably going to be the end of it. Uh, and so I, I tend to disagree a little bit with Mr. Wilson at this point. I think we've probably seen as much. I think we've already discounted the fact that the Republicans are going to sweep the House and the Senate. So I'm not sure that there's much left on the upside. At the same time, the CNN Fear and Greed Index had gotten to 61 and turned lower. And when that gets to that level, it usually means that the rally has run its course and the next uh, next leg down is coming. The, the problem is that the rally was on very light volume and good good rallies, strong rallies. Rallies that have sustainability have to have increasing uh, circumstances, increasing volume, and we've not seen that. So I continue to think that it's a bear market and that the rally we've already had has discounted the fact that the Republicans sweep the House and the Senate tomorrow. And given that, the possibility of a red wave tomorrow and the return of divided government, what will that mean uh, for equities uh, as we head toward that next election in 2024? I think the the overwhelming fundamental that's driving prices has been the fact that the Fed has driven its balance sheet from nine trillion nine hundred billion dollars to nine trillion dollars over the course of the last decade, and as promised, has said, and in order to continue to remain consistent, has said that it will be reducing the size of that balance sheet by ninety five billion dollars a month. They're taking the fuel that had driven the bull market away. It's as if you've taken your foot off the gas pedal and the car stalls. I think that that's the overriding fundamental. If you get a bounce predicated upon the uh, the, the better uh, action by the part of the Republicans in the House and the Senate tomorrow, use that strength to sell into and reduce your positions. Get smaller and not larger at this point. 
We also got a note from Goldman Sachs cutting earnings estimates for the S&P 500 for this year and next. What kind of earnings compression do you see for stocks? Probably 10 or 15 percent reduction in earnings over the course of the next year or two, and that means the price to earnings multiple has to come in again. It's been coming in for the past six or seven months, longer than that, actually, and I think it continues to come in. So I, I agree with Goldman Sachs. I think earnings are going to be demonstrably lesser, demonstrably smaller than had been anticipated three and four and five and six months ago. The market had anticipated good earnings. The earnings are coming in less than expected, and I think that that's likely to continue for a long period of time. So, again, use strength to sell into, use strength to reduce your positions. He or she or loses the least amount of money in a bear market will be the winner. As I said, we'll hone in a little bit deeper into that view, including uh, where uh, the Fed path goes from here. Dennis Gartman is with us for the hour. Dennis Gartman, former publisher of the Gartman Letter and uh, now chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. Looking ahead to the market open this morning, futures are pointing to more gains after Friday's rally. S&P futures are up 18 points, Dow futures up 161, and NASDAQ futures are higher by 51 points. Ten-year treasuries up for 30 seconds. The yield down nearly two basis points to four point, uh, almost 4.14 percent. Yield on the two-year, 4.68%. NYMEX crudes little changed uh, on the session, up $0.05, cents, $92.66 cents a barrel. COMEX gold up four-tenths percent, or $6.30, 1682.90 for an ounce of gold. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by PPAC Private Wealth Management. PPAC Private Wealth Management knows that a portfolio is more than a collection of assets. It's a path to your future. Visit ppacprivate.com and begin your financial legacy today. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Well, investors this week will be keeping a close eye on key economic data. The October Consumer Price Index is due out Thursday, and University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index comes out Friday. Peyton and Regal Chief U.S. Economist Jeffrey Cleveland says jobs data from Friday suggests the Fed's still in the thick of its inflation battle. The wage growth data has slowed maybe a little bit. But 0.4 month to month is still pretty strong. We're hanging out around 5% year on year wage growth. And that is not consistent, in my view, with 2% inflation. I think it's far too soon for the Fed to say they're putting the brakes on here. And Payton and Regal's Jeffrey Cleveland says the Fed wants to see less job growth because the labor market is out of balance. In the meantime, Karen, we're seeing turmoil in tech labor this morning. Wall Street Journal reports Facebook parent Meta Platforms will lay off thousands, potentially as early as Wednesday. And Twitter, which cut close to 3,700 employees last week, is now asking dozens of them to come back. But Bloomberg Tech editor Vlad Zavov says Twitter's moves likely don't reflect broader trends in big tech. Months ago... 
Twitter's prior leadership decided to cut back on spending on office space in order to preserve jobs. What we're seeing with Twitter cannot be extended to the broader tech industry. It is a very unique situation, and there's a lot of unpredictability because of Elon Musk being at the helm. Bloomberg's Vlad Savov says more changes are coming to Twitter. The company will add verification check marks for members of its monthly subscription service after tomorrow's midterm elections to avoid potential chaos. Well, sticking with tech, Nathan, shares of Apple down 1% in early trading after the company announced it expects to produce less iPhone 14 models than originally planned. In Egypt, Karen, U.N. climate discussions are focused on how rich countries can pay for global damages caused by global warming. Netherlands Prime Minister Mark Rutte spoke with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix about moving forward on climate issues. We already are, at this moment, committing the 100 billion to help the rest of the world also, and also the global south, to get on board uh, with uh, tackling climate change. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte is one of several world leaders at the COP27 conference. U.S. President Joe Biden is set to appear later this week. Futures this morning on the rise. S&P futures up about 17 points. Dow futures up 144, and NASDAQ futures are up 44. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 68 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash westbound Belt Parkway off-ramp to the northbound Van Wick. And Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Both President Joe Biden and his predecessor, Donald Trump, are hoping to provide their party's late boosts on the last full day of campaigning before midterm elections that could reshape the balance of power in Washington. Biden is holding a rally this evening in Maryland as Democrats eye retaking its governorship. Yesterday, the president campaigned for New York Governor Kathy Hochul at a rally in Yonkers. Biden hoping to give the incumbent a last-minute boost against Republican challenger Lee Zeldin. Polls show the race between the two narrowing just a few days from the election. Biden criticized Zeldin for voting with House Republicans against the American Rescue Plan that included money for police. Governor Hochul's opponent had a choice. He could keep cops on the job or cave to his Republican leaders. I'll give you one guess what he did. He caved. Former President Trump is set to stage his own event in Ohio where his hand-picked Senate candidate, J.D. Vance, will be at his side. Yesterday, Trump urged Florida voters to support Republican candidates in the midterms. Trump urged voters to vote Republican and bring the House and Senate under Republican control. This Tuesday, you must go out and vote Republican in this giant red wave, Uncle Sam. Giant red wave that they're all talking about. The former president spoke at a rally in Miami with Florida Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott. Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky said Iran must be punished for what he called its complicity in Russian terror. Zelensky accused the regime in Tehran of helping to prolong the war and exacerbate its impact on food and energy supplies. The CDC issued a warning of a surge in respiratory viruses from COVID, flu, and RSV, especially among children, that threatens to overwhelm hospitals this fall and winter. And the Powerball lottery drawing is tonight. Oh, Lord, the jackpot is expected to be $1.9 billion. Okay, I'm in. Okay, there you go. Global news, 24 (laughs) hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists, analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. You found my level. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, the Jets had that four-game winning streak and then laid an egg and yet another loss to New England. That led to many saying, same old Jets. They're not saying that now, not after a 20-17 to upset of heavily favored Buffalo at MetLife. Jet defense outstanding. Sacked Josh Allen five times, intercepted him twice. Jets put together a fourth-quarter drive. 86 yards in 13 plays. They had eight straight runs. The Jets ran it for 174 yards. Drive took over six minutes, ended with a field goal. That gave them the lead after once trailing by 11. They go to their bye week, six and three. Five wins in their last six games. Their coach is Robert Sala. You know, I know a lot of people are going to be surprised, right? Uh, I don't think there's a person surprised in the locker room. Um, it's a hard-fought game. It's a damn good football team, a well-coached football team over there. Buffalo, obviously, they've got championship aspirations. But um, but I don't think there's a guy in that locker room that didn't think we couldn't win. After the bye week, another game with the Patriots. A battle of the last two Super Bowl winners, both the Rams and Bucks, struggling this year. Tampa Bay won on a Tom Brady TD pass with nine seconds left. Brady went over 100,000 passing yards for his career. Overtime last night in Kansas City, the Chiefs beat the Titans. Also overtime at the Garden Rangers after leading 2-0, lost to Detroit. 3-2. to two. The Nets won twice over the weekend without Kyrie Irving. His suspension will not end until he meets six requirements laid down by the team. Mets have a lot of free agents. Cross one off the list. Edwin Diaz struggled early in his Met career, but tremendous this past season, and he has cashed in. Five years, $102 million most ever for reliever. Diaz averaged almost two strikeouts per inning's pitch. John Stashan with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Macy's is investing millions to fund minority-owned businesses. The New York Times says the $30 million over five years will support underrepresented groups in the retail industry. More of the former Colt Firearms Complex in Connecticut is closer to being converted to apartments. Hartford Business says the Colt Gateway Partnership could create 45 more apartments in two buildings there. The new offering comes as commercial demand for the space wanes. Sprit Society entering New York's retail market. This is a maker of canned wine-based cocktails. This journal says the drinks are being distributed at Total Wine and more, and also through GoPuff. The founder of the company is a former marketing exec for celebrities. And Jersey Shore Restaurant Week is underway. Multiple restaurants offering three-course meals for as little as $30.22. It's all designed to get you out spending during what's typically a slow patch before holiday spending ramps up, and this event runs through Sunday. With the Tri-State Business Report, I'm Denise Pellegrini. All right, Denise, thanks. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio's on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about the high cost of impounding Russian super yachts. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Berkshire Hathaway takes a beating on auto insurance weighing on quarterly earnings. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that United Airlines has joined the growing list of companies withholding advertising on Twitter for now. I'm Caroline Hetke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on officials agreeing to discuss climate reparations from rich countries at the COP27 climate conference. I'm Denise Pellegrini, and on WTAM in Cleveland, I'm reporting on Honda's new plan, self-driving electric vehicles for the elderly and Gen Z. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning at 539 on Wall Street.
The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Britain's new Prime Minister Rishi Sunak got a quick sign of trouble ahead when a quarrel over trade rules between Northern Ireland, Great Britain, and the Republic of Ireland flared anew. When the UK left the European Union, it was understood that an open border between Northern Ireland and the Republic was essential. But this meant Brexit would require an economic border border in the Irish Sea. Britain agreed to a protocol making that stipulation in 2020, but when protests in the north shut down the region's power-sharing assembly, the Tories moved to unilaterally cancel the protocol. A trade war between the UK and the EU is now a distinct possibility. The world needs Britain and the EU to be allies, not rivals. If Sunak wants to make a difference, a reset of UK-EU relations would be a great place to start. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning. A bond sell-off stalling as some investors bet a period of disinflation has already begun. And the midterm election results will be favorable to markets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 19 points. Dow futures up 145. And Nasdaq futures up 54. The DAX in Germany is up nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up five thirty-seconds, yield 4.13 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.67 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down two tenths percent or 19 cents at $92.42 a barrel. COMEX gold up three tenths percent or $5.30 cents at $16.81.90 an ounce. The euro 0.9989 against the dollar. British pound 1.1444 and the yen 146.66 and Bitcoin is down 1.7 percent at $20,750. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Tuesday is the midterm elections. Nationwide, more than 40 million Americans have already cast their ballot. The election could shift the balance of power in Congress. North Korea's military says its recent barrage of missile tests were practices to mercilessly strike key South Korean and U.S. targets, such as air bases and operation command systems with a variety of missiles that likely would include nuclear-capable weapons. The North's military said today its missile tests were a reaction to last week's massive Air Force drills between the U.S. and South Korea. In the NFL, the Jets beat the Bills 2017. 
The Patriots won. The Commanders lost. The Ravens play the Saints tonight. In the NHL, the Rangers lost in overtime to the Red Wings 3-2. In the NBA, the Wizards lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? All right, Michael, thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Dennis Gartman is back with us now, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee and former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Uh, Dennis, earlier we spoke about the potential for uh, equity rally off the back of the midterms. I want to dig into the economic data now that we're expecting this week. Of course, we get the October Consumer Price Index on Thursday. Do you think we'll see further signs of moderation in inflation from the data this week? I think we'll see some further signs of moderation to, to replicate your words. I don't think we're going to have a, an untoward number coming out. I think it will be slightly less than, than had been anticipated, and I think we've seen most commodity prices be somewhat under pressure over the course of the past month or two. But pay attention to what's going on this morning in the gold market, pay attention to what's going on in the the bond market, and pay attention to what's going on in the stock market. All three of them should not be rising together. Two of them are probably wrong. We'll see which ones are wrong. But I think that uh, inflationary numbers are going to start turning back for the worse over the course of the next several months. But this week's CPI number will probably be beneficial to share prices modestly so, the operative word here being modestly so. Why do you think we're going to see more pressure on inflation longer term? Basically because the Fed's balance sheet remains extended. They said they're going to continue to cut it, but as I said earlier, we've gone from $900 billion to $9 trillion. Actually, it's down to about $8.5 billion. They need to take $95 billion out of it. Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon with a lag. The lag has been uh, – we're only uh, six months to a year into taking – into allowing the Fed to reduce the size of its balance sheet, and I think we have several years of higher inflation ahead of us on balance. So – well, we're going to have to get used to 5 and 6% inflation over the course of the next several years, and I think that that's going to be incumbent. So be careful out there. The, the thing that I find amusing to me is the fact that gold and, and bonds are rallying this morning. That shouldn't be happening. It's some, it is happening, and pay attention to that fact. Again, as I said earlier this morning, use the strength in stock prices to reduce the size of your exposure, get less large, get less uh, involved, become more involved in the gold market. And I think that that's the important to me. The most important thing that I saw last week was the fact that gold had an outside reversal week, which is a very rare circumstance, a new low and a, a movement above the previous week's highs and a close above the previous week's highs. And it's not given back any of those gains. So that's something to pay attention to beyond just stock prices. Watch what's going on in gold. It's signaling something traumatic is about to happen. I know you've been watching gold for some time, and it's really yes. barely budged with all these inflationary pressures going on. Uh, but now with this call, where do you think gold goes from here? 1800 or $1,900 over the course of the next several months. I think that's where we're going to go. We're at 1681 now. The fact that it held in the low 1600s, bottomed in, in November, uh, in September and October, and Friday's action was extraordinary, rallying, what, 50 to $55 an ounce, with uh, especially following the fact that you had an overtly bearish article in the Barrens over the weekend about how bad gold has been. The fact that those two things occurred at the same time, a very bearish article and a, and a, and a very strong movement on Friday and an outside reversal week, tells me that gold prices have seen their lows and want to go demonstrably higher. So as you come out of stock prices, move into, a bit, move into a bit of gold. I think that makes sense. I've done that for the university, and we're going to continue to do that when we meet next in, in two weeks for our, our quarterly meeting. 
We have just about a minute left here, Dennis. Of course, there's a lot of attention on where the Fed takes rates from here, where the terminal yes. rate's going to be. Where do you think <laughs> the Fed is going to take? I know you've been focused on the balance sheet, but where do you think uh, rates go from here for the Fed? I think we take the overnight Fed funds rate to five, five and a quarter, and at that point they'll sit tight for a long period of time. If I've learned anything in the 45 years that I've learned, I've been in the markets, it's that when the Fed changes monetary policy from easing to tightening or from tightening to easing, it takes rates far farther and takes them for a far longer period of time than even the most radical among us want to believe. So I think we're going to go to at least 5%, maybe 55 and then, then comes the pivot, the pivot meaning they'll sit tight for a long period of time. It may be several years before we actually see them pivot and, and take rates lower. So be prepared for higher rates for a protracted period of time for the next several years. As always, Dennis, great to get your view. Thanks for being with us for the full hour here. Dennis Gartman, former publisher of the Gartman Letter and now the chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. More election lawsuits have been filed this year than in all of 2020 by Democrats and Republicans challenging everything from who can vote to where ballots are collected and monitored. The Sixth Circuit ruled that Experian did not violate the Fair Credit Reporting Act when it failed to remove an erroneous report of a bankruptcy from a man's credit report. The Justice Department reports the former heads of MoviePass and its parent company have both been charged with securities fraud and wire fraud. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. Arizona defied a Supreme Court criminal precedent for decades until the court specifically instructed the state that it had to allow defendants facing the death penalty to tell the jury that if they spared them from a death sentence, they would never be eligible for parole. Still, Arizona did end runs around the Supreme Court decisions, creating a procedural maze that blocked a death row inmates' relief at each turn, leading Justice Elena Kagan to call it Kafka-esque. For more, Bloomberg's Jim Grasso speaks to Bloomberg Law Reporter Jordan Rubin. So that's why Justice Elena Kagan said Kafka would have loved this case? Exactly. So the way she put it, she says Kafka would have loved this because Cruz loses his Simmons claim on direct appeal in the first instance before the Lynch case, and then he tries again, and the reason he loses, according to the state, is because, no, Simmons has actually always applied. It was just that Lynch told Arizona that it had to then apply the law. So it wasn't what's called a significant change in the law, according to Arizona, and that's super important for this case because it all comes down to this state procedural rule, which says that on post-conviction, like what Cruz was trying to raise, he can only get the benefit if there was a significant change in law. And according to Arizona, the lynch holding wasn't a significant change. I thought it was odd that the state was still arguing in its briefs that Simmons and Lynch were wrongly decided by the court. And Justice Kagan told Arizona's attorney that she found that shocking and perhaps a bit insulting. Tell us about Arizona's arguments. So Arizona takes this sort of hyper-technical reading. They're saying it's just a state issue that in the first instance it shouldn't even get to the U.S. Supreme Court because it's a state court dealing with a state procedural rule. And so there is this kind of threshold issue at the U.S. Supreme Court of whether 
the justices can even really take a look at this because it's a state issue. And so there's this initial argument of whether we're even getting into the territory of dealing with the type of federal issue that the U.S. Supreme Court can grapple with. And so that's one of Arizona's arguments that the U.S. Supreme Court really shouldn't even be getting involved. That's part of it. Another part is according to this state procedural rule, they're saying it wasn't a significant change in law despite how much that might seem to fly in the face of common sense, as Justice Kagan was pointing out during the argument. They're saying it's not a significant change. It's just now an application of the law. And so that's what brings up this situation where Kagan is pointing out that Cruz is blocked in this procedural maze, no matter in which direction he turns. And that's Bloomberg Law reporter Jordan Rubin. Speaking of the Bloomberg's June Grosso, catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BlawGo. And futures this morning on the rise. S&P futures up about 19 points. Dow futures up 150 And NASDAQ futures up 57. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we have a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.